I'm JJ. Welcome or welcome back to the Art of Value Investing, episode 20. Got to 20, the big 2-0. It's the 29th of July, 2021, where I am. So in today's episode, I'm going to talk about the market conditions, China, China stocks in particular, or China tech stocks, which I own some of. But what a week it's been. Uh... Big plunges and a bit of a comeback overnight last night. A lot of fear. Max, have we passed the point of maximum pessimism, as John Templeton said? We'll talk a little about that. Also, Spotify earnings. I was just listening to Spotify earnings call with Daniel Eck, and that was really interesting. So I'm going to talk about that. I'm Michelle. Got a position there, and also. I'm going to talk about Tesla earnings as well. Tesla had a very good earnings um, earnings call, earnings release, and I'm going to talk about that. I've been looking more into, as you would, if you've heard some of my other podcasts, into EVs and batteries, the whole industry. I haven't, I don't know anything there yet, but um, anyway, I'll give you my thoughts on Tesla and the outlook for the next really 10 years and I've been thinking about valuations there. So before we get started, just a normal disclaimer, I'm not a financial advisor, I'm not giving any advice whatsoever here, I'm just talking to myself as much as you to work through my thoughts and ideas. Do your own research and analysis, don't buy stocks based on what I say, definitely don't do that. So this is as good as live as well, I'm not spending any time editing. And so it might be a bit rough at times, but it is as good as live. That's because I want to spend more time, actually, on research and analysis rather than making podcast content. Also, you can get you can get to me on Twitter at The Art of Value. I'm there every day. I watch what's going on there and talk to people on there. So uh, hit me up on Twitter if you want. And so let's get on with it. Okay, China. I've done a I've done a previous episode on this on the the decline of Chinese tech stocks, and this week, of course, was massive events. All sorts of things going on, including you know, monitoring media and social media. I kind of I wrote a note on Facebook today in a group uh, investing group that I go to there. Just the the uh, the pessimism and fear in the market and in, you see it in media and social media like CNBC had, I mean, I, I don't watch it, I just listen to catch up on a podcast, but wow, some of the sort of anti-China uh, feelings there and just a lot of pessimism and you expect that with the talking heads on financial shows, but also on social media, people were incredibly fearful and some of these stocks, it's been going on for a long time. It's not just this week, of course. It's been all year. It's been all year. Uh, and this week has culminated in some very steep drops. Like, I mean, I've, I've been buying, right? I've been, I've been adding to my positions. I mean, Alibaba, I kind of, I haven't really been very much because uh, I, I took a, a big, most of my position and sort of in in uh, two goes earlier on, um, back in around April and earlier. 
No, April, yeah. And so adding to it's not going to change much. But I did, I couldn't resist buying some at 200. And then of course it went down to, what is it, 180 or something like that. 186 or something was the low. Let me just check that. Um, yeah, it went down to 180. 180, gosh, wow. And so, you know, the, the, so off the highs of this year, I mean, since the, since the high, Alibaba down th- went down 38, 41%. And also with my other one, uh, Pindoldo, Pindoldo, if that's how you pronounce it, I always butcher that, of course. And 50, 60%, 61% of its highs. And what's interesting to me is that I didn't actually think we're going to see this, but I talked about in my last episode of PDD, um, I kind of worked out, I looked at, I saw Lee Lu bought it, right? A Chinese-American investor or from China. I don't know if he's Chinese-American, must be a citizen. So Chinese-American investor who works with Charlie Munger. Charlie Munger, of course, bought uh, Alibaba, a big chunk of it for the Daily Journal, for the portfolio there. And no doubt with working closely with Lee Lu. And I worked out, it was in the fourth quarter of last year, so the cheapest price that they could possibly get it was around seventy, seventy one forty, something like that. <clears throat> so that's pretty low. And then it shot up after that, and I noticed that. Um, oh right, so I'm getting mixed up. I'm talking about PDD now. So Lilo owns it. Charlie Munger doesn't. Charlie Munger owns Alibaba. So these are the two. These are these are actually the two stocks that I've been focusing on. Although they've all across the board been going down, of course, in the education sector in China, the crackdown there, where they've basically decided to not <laughs> not have private companies, and it's just a write-off. But I I wouldn't avoid any of those because I just I think the education sector in general is kind of very volatile, and anything can happen. It seems to be kind of easy bankruptcies in that sector. I just do not like it. Um, but so I think what I was going to say, what I was saying was Lilu, I think, bought it at the cheapest in the low 70s, right? And then it shot up during the quarter, and the highest in that quarter went up to 150. 150 more. By the end of the year, it was 166. So 70 to 186 just in that time. And so I think... Louis like had one percent or something like that of the portfolio. So my guess is that he he uh, bought some, and then the price started to run away. Possibly, I don't know. Maybe just didn't. I don't be interesting to see if he sold or what. Uh, and so I didn't think we're going to see seventy again, quite honestly. But anything's possible, right? And here we go. The lowest price got down to seventy nine. So. I was buying, I've been buying PDD and I've been doubling it. It's become quite a big position and the lowest I got it was 79.56, which I was pretty happy with getting. And, uh, you know, and also in the 80s, so I don't know if it'll go even down lower. I, but, you know, I've decided, people, people have decided, people think, Either they kind of are not going to touch it, or, or they, I mean, 
what what's going to happen? People were saying that the the uh, these ADRs that are listed in the US might get delisted. Could happen. So my thinking on this is that it could it it won't happen. And maybe you know there'll be an arrangement where you buy you get through, you buy them through Hong Kong, which you've already got the ADRs. I just don't know what's going to happen, but. My guess is that it's probably be fine, and it's interesting. It'll probably be fine, and so I'm I'm just going to do it. But I'm only doing it to a certain allocation. It's not. I mean, these stocks are really have, have come down between forty and sixty percent. I was looking at like across the board, the tech stocks in particular, forty to sixty percent. But last night, they bounced like DD, which I didn't buy and wouldn't touch. It's up 10% last night. Baidu's up 5.6. Bar- Barber's up 5.34. JD's up 8.51. PD's up 15.59 off the off 15.54% off the lows. BYD, which didn't really go down much, which is interesting, is up 9.73. I think one of the reasons that B- BYD didn't go down is because part of the five-year plan and I've been reading in a blog about this, about like what's been happening there is not indiscriminate. It's kind of, it is part of the five-year plan. Where they, 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 the thought is that they're focusing more on uh, physical things, physical innovation, physical tech, you know. So BYD, when you think about it, is batteries, electric cars. It's kind of one of the things that I do want to focus on. And I think that's probably why, apart from EV sector being elevated, it's part of why it didn't get hit. So NEO which I think's just overpriced anyway, um, came down. But BYD's been pretty solid, which is actually disappointing because that's the other, that is the other company that I would be interested in buying. I mean, Lilu, that's Lilu's biggest position. Obviously, Buffett, uh, Berkshire's got a big position, had it since 2009. And I can see that that could do very well if you've been lis- listening to my um, previous podcast on batteries. I do think batteries are... Kind of the new oil. I've been looking at the life cycle of of that the battery industry and even Tesla. I think basically, as I said, um, if you if you look at what it is, and I do, I've come under the thought that it's going to be it will be a possibly five to six trillion dollar company um, or more, you know, over time. And it's really about it's batteries, batteries on wheels, stationary batteries. The energy sector is huge, and with uh, a really strong brand and and uh, intelligent software of different kinds attached to uh, attached to the batteries and so anyway I'll talk about that later but back to China so I've been adding to I thought it's not over it's around fifteen percent my allocation and that's kind of as much as I'm willing to do unless BYD got down so low that or I decided that that was a buy that I might go higher. But uh, PDD, I think, still, I still think it's a very interesting company, and it's just one of the fastest growth companies ever in the history of the world. And will it continue to do that? I don't know, but I'm inclined to think that it's for me, and, and I'm astonished that it went down into the 70s. I really am. So... Um, and, you know, on the face of it, it looks expensive, but also the growth rate is incredible so it 
the um, the high multiples shouldn't take really that long to catch up if it keeps going. I mean, the, I mean, the aim is to be the biggest grocer in the world. And in terms of the China lockdown, I mean, there are, there are parts that it could do. Maybe the state could take ownership of some, not all of it, but take a stake. But they want to be the biggest grocer in the world, you know. And so it's all it's about when you think about delivering food to people at low cost, like Costco. I just do not see why the government would be that. That is something that they want to stop because that's helping. The, it's helping the economy, helping the country, being more efficient. So I think that. I mean, I don't know. They might not like. The, how fast it's growing and how wealthy people are getting from it. There's, wealth inequality is one one thing that they obviously don't like, but I just think that I don't see why they would have a problem. But I don't mean I don't know. I just think it's in terms of a a low risk bet. I think it's fine apart from the regulatory risk, but I've accepted that. Uh, and what's interesting right now, just let me get this article. So the reason for the bounce last night is what happened was there's a a Reuters article here saying state-owned, China state-owned daily urges calm after market rout. So Chinese state-owned securities newspaper urged calm on Wednesday after investors dumped mainland shares for a second day on worries of the impact of tighter government regulation. So they're not actually talking about ATRs, they're talking about shares on the mainland because Chinese Chinese investors are dumping them and it seems like they're getting the government's getting a bit freaked out, but I don't know. Regulatory, regulatory moves aimed at education, property and technology sectors sparked heavy selling this week in Chinese markets. See those sectors? Education, property and technology. Okay. So certain technology, but education and property really mostly. And they have oh that's another thing that if you think the like the ride sharing app were hit, companies were hit because they want fair, I noticed that I saw the government kind of wants fair pay for the delivery people, which, you know, that's a debate that's being had in the US and other places and having uh, full-time employees instead of contractors and that sort of thing, so in China they're just able just to do that straight away, you have to do this so it's not indiscriminate, they, you know, it's part of the, the plan to have fairness in these things, so that's interesting, but also what they said is the front page commentary on Wednesday, the state-owned Securities Times said the systematic the systemic risks do not exist in the A share market overall. The macroeconomy is still in a steady rebound stage, and short-term fluctuations do not change the long-term positive outlook for A shares. Blah blah blah. What does it say? Uh, the recent market decline in some, to some extent reflects misinterpretation of policies and venting of emotion. Economic fundamentals have not changed and the market will stabilise at any moment. It sounds like what was interesting is that it's like the, if you think about the, the US Fed stabilising the market, calming the market, it's not it's sort of similar. Uh, now, a front page story citing domestic fund managers, the official Chinese securities journal said that sell-off was a structural adjustment. A sustained plunge in is unlikely and the market does not face systemic risk. They hope. <laughs> no. Uh, so, for institutions, the decline brings the opportunity for positioning in high-quality shares, it said. So, this... 
this I pretty much I think made the market bounce back and maybe we've seen I mean I was talking about the the moment the the point of maximum pessimism have we seen it have we seen it a couple of not yesterday the day before or yet was it yesterday when it when the plunge the thing is that I was buying and I was thinking okay I'm going to buy I worked down to average down every five percent down right and uh, I was doing that buying a little bit every five percent getting my say PDD and Alibaba had a big chunk at the beginning so it's not going to really make much difference but with PDD I've been thinking that it probably would go down and I just because of the such strong growth I would just average down and thinking I'd never get back and get back to the 70s but so I was buying every five percent and then it started gapping down ten percent ten percent a day and um, so I decided to I stopped at five percent and just said okay I'm going to do it I've got, I've got quite a lot already I'm just going to if it drops another 10% I'll buy more and it did so uh, it's quite incredible what happened there like it went from uh, you know over over 100 what did it let me look from 112 to 106 to 98 88 to 79 56 and now it's gone back now it's starting to go back up about 15% so We'll see if it goes down anymore. If it does, I'm going to keep buying. And just, but, you know, as I said, I'm not going over 50% allocation to China. So if it all went to zero, 15% would be the maximum I'd lose. And I'm okay with that. Um, it wouldn't, I wouldn't like it, but 15% is an okay loss if it went to zero. But I just, I think it's unlikely. I think, uh, you know, it's and the fact that Charlie Mungus has bought it for the long term and he's working closely with Lilo. Lilo knows the market very well. I mean, I might be surprised. Maybe Mungus sold sold the whole lot, freaked out and sold the whole lot. I mean, they did with the airlines, but that was for structural reasons. It would be highly unusual for Mungus not to just to sell like a a month or two after uh, in this in the next quarter after he's bought. Okay, that's about all I need. I think I'll say on China. Apart from the fact that it was it was what was interesting to see about that moment of maximum pessimism. I don't even I don't know if it is. There might be there might be another crackdown. But it seemed like uh, the the government sort of said, well, maybe that's enough now because it was becoming a systemic risk, like making the whole share market turn it. Well, it was a bear market. So somebody suggested, you know, like conspiracy theories that the, you know, the party people are buying buying up shares, sort of doing it on purpose, or knowing that it will go down and buying up shares and then talking it back up again. Who knows? Market manipulation. Um, but. So that's all I think for about about China for now. But yeah, the the moment of maximum pessimism. It was interesting to see the sentiment in media and social media was even on FinTwit and Twitter. Some you know value investors and pretty serious investors were saying, "Don't do it. Don't you know?" Just I mean, especially U.S. investors. Well, a lot of people are just not interested in going in China because it's hard to. I mean, it's true. I don't know much about the culture. We don't much. A lot of it's about what I'm reading from people who are on the ground and experienced. Um, I'm learning that way. So you know, I've never been there, and so that I mean, in terms of circle of com, uh, circle of competence, then yeah, I fully admit that I don't know enough. But I'm learning and reading and learning, and you know, fifteen percent. 
is is much that's you know i'm not going to get 50 percent or anything like that i mean so anyway on to the next thing is i want to talk about spotify earnings because uh, i was just finished listening to the earnings call late last night i time and so the price has gone down it was so sell-off on earnings. Let me just see how much Spotify. Uh, bear with me. Sorry, you can fast forward through these bits, of course, or listen to it faster. Oh, so 5.71% sell-off. That's interesting. What I'm noticing about this earnings season this quarter is that there have been some good results, but there's been sell-offs in the stocks. So that's now from the high, from the high in 19th of February down to now. I mean, it also went down in the, on the 13th of May, um, for down 40%, and now it's down 38, 39%. So it's nearly at, at the low. And it's, it's interesting because all time since it's listed, it's only at 50, 51%. Which I find fascinating because that's not much. It's not exactly a cheap stock, and this is thing. Uh, it's one of the stocks that Ark owns that I also own, which I find interesting because there's not many that I do. Um, but I, I heard the earnings call. And I looked at the results, and it all seems fine to me. It's good. Uh, you know, I really like Daniel Ek's approach. Always have. And he's sort of positive about the future, and there were a few things that stood out. I haven't really taken notes, so I'm going to go back and take notes. But um, some, something that stood out was uh, just let me get the earnings bit here. That the monthly active users mouse didn't it didn't grow as much as they had they had wanted or thought, um, but still it's 22 percent year on year. And as I said, over the past, since they listed, the number of, it's, it's just, uh, I mean, 22% is fine. I'm just, so, you know, with growth numbers, with the growth numbers, I'm obviously looking, I'd like to look around 26% overall for everything, including the stock price, because we're getting, we get to, we get to double every three years. If, um, and that's kind of what I, what I want. And I do think, even though, even though Spotify is a big company, was at 45 billion market cap at the moment. Um, 10x is what I'm looking for, and I think it's possible. If you look at the trajectory of Netflix in particular. But anyway, everything was strong, and uh, podcasting that the investments they've been making there seem to be going really well. <coughs> Excuse me. They're starting to get ad revenue from from pod. Ad revenue's gone up, and Daniel Wax said that he thought that, you know, no, they've been getting, like, the days of under 10% of revenue from advertising, which is going to be through through podcasting, um, are over. So, and it was, what what is it, 110% or something like that? And so, and he said that in the earnings call, he said that the, um, Really, the advertising for uh, podcasting is about unlocking the supply, meaning they want more and more podcasts. It's not the demand for advertising. People want to advertise there. And so that's a big, I can see that as a big revenue driver in the future. And it does seem to be working. And 
The other thing that hit me is that, you know, thinking about uh, Pabri's spawner concept of Apex spawners and companies that spawn new businesses, I think Spotify is one of those, and Daniel Ek is, is one of the founders that is proving to be good at that. You know, we've got the the um, the separate app that they've bought that they want to where it's live talk where you can make a pod we can record a podcast green room it's called uh, that they've called it and so they've did a soft launch but I'm going to be interested to see how that goes um, you know growth continuing advertising growing mouths are the growth in mouths is, is a little bit not what they expected maybe that's the market didn't like that. Um, but all, all in all, it's going fine. I, you know, I'm learning more and more about the company as the quarters roll on, and it's a, become a big position. It's, and uh, you know, I have have it for my kids as well. Uh, just you know, they they like Spotify. We all listen to it. And so one of the things that Daniel Wick said was that he was talking about engagement. Just if they want to increase engagement. Over time, and that's the key to to keep like a, to having being a, a very addictive. And that's another thing. There's just I just saw a hit. They didn't talk about this, but one of the features is that notifications, like they have on Facebook, where every time something happens, it notifies you. So you, it's, it's kind of. I mean, some people don't like that. It's very. It is a very you know, to be addictive thing to be notified of new things. But um, I think it would actually be useful in the app because there's a lot going on in my particular Spotify with music and podcasts. There's a lot of new things all the time. So that would be good, I think. Uh, so, yeah. So monthly active users grew 22% year on year to 365 million in the quarter. 365 million, see. And he was talking about the call of getting to a million, a billion, sorry. And it's, you know, I can see a way to do that. So, in Q2, which drove double-digit year-on-year growth. Okay, yep. And the other thing that, you know, that always stands out is when they have, when they they go by region, mouse by region, whatever by region, uh, subscribers by region, that it's truly a global company. So, the growth is potentially really substantial because, um, you know, 24% North America, 22% Latin America, Europe, 34%, rest of world, 20. So he said different countries are at different stages of development in terms of Spotify rolling out. It's a truly global company. Um, or potentially it is, and that's what they're aiming for. Premium subscribers. That premium su- subscribers grew 20% year on year to 165 million. Um, what else? Financial metrics revenue of 2.3 billion euros grew 23%. Again, you know, 25% year on year is a constant currency. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's all, all in the ballpark of, of um, growth that I want to see. Gross margin. Gross margin finished at 28.4% in Q2. That's fine too. Uh, and it's all good. Premium gross margin, 30%. Operating expenses, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I, it's fine. 
what he was saying, it's just, for me, it's about the bigger picture, not quarter to quarter, if I'm going to be long term. And I, so I would tell if there was fundamentally something wrong. It doesn't seem like competitors, I mean, he was saying on the call that they're laser focused at the end of the collision, laser focused on audio, their competitors aren't, and they're getting, they get a lot more engagement than competitors do. Um, you know, people staying on the app and using it. And that's the key to the success. And so they're guiding for Q3 of 377 to 382 million miles. Premium subscribers, 170 million. 274 million. So as far as I'm concerned, it's all going well. And I, I don't see any problem with it. And I like it. And if it if the price drops, uh, I mean, I didn't. This is one that I bought that wasn't incredibly cheap, to be honest. It was sort of, you know, I'm actually below my buy cost now at 223.32. That's below my average cost. And if it goes down, I kind of want it to go down because it would be nice. I was hoping, you know, the spike last year, the spike last year, I wish that I bought it before that spike and, you know, in 2020, obviously, like um, I would have been happy with 180, around 180 in May. And even at the beginning of the year, 122. But I didn't. I didn't start looking at Spotify at all. To eight, and obviously it went up to 364. I thought that was way too expensive. And obviously it's come down nearly 40 percent. So I, I kind of hope that it will, will keep going down, and um, would buy more. And but you know, since since uh, the IPO, it's only up 50 51 percent. And that's since 2018, April 2018. So I'm happy with Spotify and um, no change there. Right, so the next thing, the last thing was getting on a bit. So I want to talk about Tesla, uh, Tesla earnings. So Tesla's earnings were impressive, and the thing is, I've been looking at the EV and battery sector, and I've decided, just in, like the battery life cycle, I did talk about that, just the life cycle from mining to making batteries, to putting them in cars, uh, stationary storage, and then recycling. And I kind of, I was especially interested in recycling because I'm more interested, I mean, it's going to be a massive problem. I mean, if we have 20 million 20 million or more uh, EVs made every year. Well, it'll be more than that. Um, we're going to have a huge number of battery packs eventually needing to be recycled. So I was looking into that, and I think it's possible, and that's going to be an industry itself, whether it makes money or whether it's a loss maker. I think it will be profitable. And I think that Tesla, say, with Red, Redwood Materials, the XCOO, is it, of Tesla used to be work there. They're starting their recycling company, and it's not one of their facilities just down the road from Tesla Nevada. So either Elon will work with them, or they could could be some sort of partnership and buying out at some stage. I don't know, but this, the full, there'll be pressure on to recycle, big pressure, regulatory pressure later on when it becomes obvious that it's a, it's going to be an environmental disaster if they're not recycled. Uh, People are already saying that, but I think that will become a big thing if they don't get onto that. And as I said, Tesla batteries are very hard to recycle because of the glues they use, the processes. I mean, anyway, it was interesting to find to learn about the recycling. 
it's another potential area of investment later on as it pans out, but I'm not really there. But the earnings were good. They were good, and it's, you know, profitability, proper profitability. And But I, as usual, I look at the bigger picture, not just one quarter. I can see, I mean, it's a huge retail stock. Value investors on Twitter and elsewhere are really still down on it. Short sellers are down on it. And I do, it's too expensive to buy, but the basic that I can see is that it's, Okay, so so it's all about the batteries, really. So cars are batteries on wheels and with software attached and good, with autonomous driving, increasingly good software. And then we have stationary, the energy segment in Tesla, which is fairly small, but ramping up. And Elon said it'd be bigger, it should be bigger as autos eventually, and I do agree with that, and I've looked into it. And it's, it's huge. If... if Batteries are basically going to replace oil or a big part of it. Oil was a massive industry in the world in the 20th century. Still is. So the uh, potential is huge there. And So we've got batteries attached, batteries on wheels, stationary batteries, software, and a very strong brand. Because other people can, other companies can make the batteries, and that could be, and that's a good business for them, but the branding is part of it. It's kind of like when Apple used to be a cult stock. I mean I remember geeks in the in the early two thousand in the mid two thousands, like two thousand and eight when the iPhone came out, there were it was still known as a sort of cult company. Now it's the biggest company in the world, but it was like the biggest cult cult <laughs> the biggest small cult company and Tesla's well it's gone past that. But um you know I, one thing in terms of valuation I have looked into it and I kind of agree with Ron Barron. Ron Barron bought Investor Ron Barron has made, I think, 20x or more. He bought Tesla in 2014. It was $40. In this podcast, that was a while ago. He was, when it was 850 up to 850 And he was saying how, you know, it didn't really do anything from 2014 to 2019. And then it shot up in 2020. And he thinks that it could sort of stagnate what's gone down since then, of course for a few years and then do the same thing again later on so he's sort of prepared for that to happen but he thinks just in terms of valuation i agree with his valuation just you know ballpark because there's so much out there people think it's going to go to 10 trillion or blah blah just some blue sky valuations but i think realistically i don't know if i would say conservatively i think i guess i mean as a value investor it's uh, seems crazy to say, but I do think we, you know, Ron Barron's analysis of about two trillion for auto, about two trillion for energy, which is just as big, and about five hundred billion for autonomous, up to a trillion for autonomous, and it's a bit of an unknown. Elon said that, you know, it should be one of the biggest things humanity's ever done. There's all this talk about robo taxis, blah blah blah, but the they bought out subscription software for two hundred dollars a month. Obviously, the SaaS companies have been doing incredibly well in the last few years, so that's money in here. So we're adding, you know, subscription software to to cars, which hasn't been done before. Uh, and all these things, as a like Apple's got this ecosystem moat, and Tesla could have that. All of these things working together, including energy people are inside the Tesla system, I think it could 
so anyway, anyway, two two trillion for auto, two trillion for energy, which is a massive, massive market, I think, and five hundred to a, a trillion for autonomous, which brings us to five trillion, and I think that's quite possible, maybe five to six even, but you know, thinking about, <coughs> excuse me, but thinking about getting to 10x, I'm looking at companies that can only 10x, I think Spotify can do that over time, I think Tesla can probably do that from here, we're talking about just over 600 billion, uh, 600 billion for market cap, let me just check, okay we're at 640 billion for market cap, um, enterprise value 636, 637, so 10x from there is well over well over six trillion. So I'm not interested in buying Tesla as a kind of easy ten X. I mean <laughs> but if it went down to four hundred, four hundred to oh that number four twenty, that was four twenty. Or <laughs> four twenty might be the might be the buy zone. So because I could see it going ten X from there. Um, you know, Elon's an incredible entrepreneur and I just do see it happening and but I think people a lot of retail investors investors get carried away about just how big it's going to be, 10 trillion, etc. You know, I wish I'd bought it early, but I, it took off. Well, it took off way before I started really looking at it <coughs> seriously. But uh, that, there you go. I like Tesla and I like BYD. That's why we're looking at them both. BYD's um, so BYD, you know, is 102, 103 billion. So, you know, put that be a 10x probably but it's also an expensive stock well it's actually not that i mean when you look at the it's not too bad actually even i just i'm just annoyed that it went up so much um when you think about it, when like you know it was five dollars five dollars eighty five six dollars and now it's 28 dollars so that's just in the space of a year so i'm hoping that tesla and byd both at some stage the heat comes out of the ev sector and and these become buys, but I'm not willing to go in at this point. Anyway, I like them both, and I'm looking at batteries. Batteries are going to be hugely important in the world. I, you know, batteries are new oil. I've said that. I think that's true, um, but I'm still a value investor, so I want to be sensible about it. And uh, so that's about that. I think, but you know, I think Tesla has got a great outlook. And um, it's funny. The, I listened to the earnings call and. Elon was talking about he's not going to be on the earnings calls. He sort of it seems to be he's talking about how difficult it is to scale manufacturing to make physical things, and he, he seems quite sensible about it. And that's probably why the stock went down after the earnings call. Like he wasn't all hyped up and how great we are. It's like this stuff's hard, and and I I appreciate that. I appreciate that the way that he's like that because it's um you know it's the reality of it. It's, it's what they're doing is very hard, and but he's a, he is an extraordinary entrepreneur, and he, he, if anybody's going to do it, like Bezos or Steve Jobs or I think uh, Jack Dorsey as well, uh, it's him. So you know, to give something to to Tesla, there there you go. But I'm not really. I still I wish them well, and I'll follow it closely. And if if the price, I mean, you know. If you look at what's happening, what happened in China, it's quite possible that 50% could get knocked off Tesla at some stage. You just don't know. It's happened in China. It's happened with uh, PDD. 
uh, was it 40% Alibaba, what did I say? So, you know, if 40% got knocked off Tesla, then it would become interesting. You never know. All right, I think that's about it for today. Um, that's about all I wanted to talk about. Those three things. So interesting times. Interesting. May you live in interesting times. See you next time. Thank you.